I never thought I'd walk out here to the theme song from Night of the Roxbury. It's <laughs> awesome. If, uh, if that's stuck in your head the rest of the day, you're welcome. It's funny, I wanted to call this series uh, Baby Don't Hurt Me when I found out they were doing that. And then I realized that people who didn't have context, that's just bizarre, so we shouldn't do that. Um, but welcome. We are, we're, we're starting a new series called Love today. And I'm really excited about it because for me, this is something that, that is at the core of what God's done in me and what I have experienced throughout life and how I now come to see and read the scriptures. Like, it's a really, really big deal to me. And so I knew I was gonna be preaching today and I had this thought where I was like, this, this is huge. I have so many cares. And you ever have that moment where, where you've experienced something and something's become so real for you that now you get to go articulate it to somebody and you go, I don't know how to do that. Like, I, I don't know how to say this in a way that, that people are gonna get what I'm trying to say. And it's not because people are dumb. You guys are amazing human beings. It's because there's just depth to it and significance to it that you're like, I just, I just hope they see it. And so I had this, all of those cares. And, and so I sat down in a preacher meeting this last week. We actually have a preacher meeting here, if you don't know that. So no, no talk is written in isolation, right? With a, a group of people get together and they'll ask me or whoever's teaching that day, how can we help you write this thing this week? Like, how can we do this together? And we'll research and we'll study. And it's really, really nice. So it's never just one mind that does that. Somebody has got to go write it and preach it. But that first piece is so helpful. Um, and so he sat down and, and I said, okay, guys, so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited about this. I'm really passionate about this. And what I just, what I want people to see is just how big love really is and the impact that that has on our lives. And I thought they were all gonna go like, mm, like nod their heads and be like, let's write this talk. And instead they just kind of looked at me quizzically and they're like, how are you gonna do that? And I said, challenge accepted. So here's what I wanna do. I, like, I, I wanna go to maybe one passage and I was thinking maybe this passage and we can do this and, and I wanna walk through it this way. And then they, and, and I was like, cause I don't think you understand that like, this is what I'm really getting at. And they're like, no, Ryan, we understand you. But how are you gonna open people up to care and to see something in a way that they don't already, like we've all, we've all heard love talks. Like they're like, I don't know, Ryan, if you've been paying attention. You guys, we teach on love all the time. And so how many people are gonna be out here going like, yeah, this is another love talk. I've heard this before. And, and even beyond that, there's a piece of it where it's like every, the most famous passage in Christianity is like John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world. People get this idea that God loves them. It's on the in and out burger bag. And we've all heard that love's really important. We've listened to the Beatles, like we get it, move on. And I was like, no, you, no. That's the thing, I, I don't want us to just get it at that level. There's, there's something way bigger here that I want us to wrap our heads and our hearts around. Can you help me do that? So for two hours, we just started diving into scriptures and trying to figure stuff out. And like, what if I, we taught through this? Went so far as to even research like Gnosticism from the book of 1 John. I thought maybe I'll tell you guys about that, which you would, that would have bored you to tears. Um, and just in the end, the meeting ends, two hours have gone by and I end the meeting going, Guys, I don't think I'm any further along with a message than I was when we started this. There's so much good information, good brainstorming that just happened. I don't know what to do. Next day, I woke up and decided, okay, like let's, let's research this and let's figure it out. And part of me has this thing in the back of my head because I've had so many people tell me like, I get it, love's important, but like, you know, let's get to something deeper or broader. I have so many of these moments where those things occur. So I'm like, no, I, 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 wanna, I wanna open this up. I want people to see this in a different way. Researching, studying, trying to figure this out and, and nothing. Go to bed that night. Now it's like Thursday night and I'm going to bed. I'm supposed to teach you today. 
Imagine if you had to like stand up here and do this and you didn't have anything by that point in time. So I was real nervous. I think I was a little stressed out. I went to bed and I had one of those weird stress dreams like you're standing naked in front of an audience, that kind of a dream. A dream that I walked out on a Sunday and I'm standing in front of all of you guys and, and I go to open my mouth and no words come out and I cannot speak and I'm like trying. And then out of desperation, I just pick up my Bible and I start reading all of my favorite passages on love and all of a sudden I'm, I'm able to to give a message. Now, I'm not trying to make a ton out of a dream or not, but I woke up the next day and I was like, I think I know what to do. And I outlined today's message. And I think what it occurred to me was, is I don't think there's just this one passage, this one nugget that, that shows just how big and beautiful love really is. So what I want to do with us today is I actually want to go through several passages. I, I want to show you some of the biggest passages in the scriptures that point to the beauty of love because I want us to take a step back from it and just look at this great big picture and let it speak for itself. See the significance of this thing. And so that's what we're going to do today. And, and let me be really candid, really honest with you. If you're a person who's in here and you find yourself saying, really? Like another sermon on love? I hear you but also this sermon is for you. And if you're a person who's sitting in here and, and you think love is just like the shallow end of the theological pool, like why can't we unpack something deeper? I, I hear you and I mean that sincerely, but also this sermon is for you. And if you're also sitting in here and you're thinking to yourself, I, I like the idea of love. I've just never experienced that for myself in the way that I hoped I had or hoped I could. I hear you and the sermon is for you you too. And so let's just make our way and see uh, what some of this stuff is and watch how love unfolds this morning. Yeah? All right, cool. So turn your Bibles, turn in your Bibles, because we're going to do our first passage, Matthew chapter 22. This is a really big passage on love, guys. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Uh, a guy who's a scholar, some of your Bibles will say, some of your Bibles will say a lawyer, right? But somebody who has studied, who understands argument, that person goes to Jesus and asks a really big question. This is what we read. It says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, Jesus speaks, he replies. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets, all of scripture, basically, this moment. This, this is what Jesus says. This is huge. So a scholar, a lawyer goes to Jesus and asks this really, really big question. And if you're reading this, just like, oh, that's an interesting moment where it was just him kind of like questioning Jesus. Don't. It's way, way bigger than that. This question is massive, right? He looks and says, of what we read in the scriptures, what is the most important commandment? If that's lost on us, think of this. There are 39 books compiled into the Old Testament, which were the scriptures of the day, at that, like in Jesus' day, right? 39 books. Of those 39 books, there are 929 chapters. Of those 929 chapters, that is 23,145 verses. Of those 23,145 verses, that is roughly 622,700 words. And this guy walks up to Jesus and says, can you boil it down to one thing? Can you tell me of all those things, what's the most important? Can you put it in hierarchical order for me? That's a huge question. Now, if I'm sitting there with Jesus at that moment, I'm waiting for the longest sermon of my life. Because if you ask me, what's the most important thing out of all of that? I'm expecting Jesus to go, well, when it says it here, and if you look at here, and if you combine that with here, and you sum it all up, it's like this amazing moment that I think would take this entire sermon in Jesus 
does something I think is absolutely incredible, but it should make us also lean in and listen to the words that he speaks here. He looks and he said, without skipping a beat, boils down those 23,145 verses and goes, here's the most important thing. He goes, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And the second is like it, love other people as you love yourself. Just like that. That is huge. And then as if those two things, if it's as if him just not pointing out the importance of those two things wasn't significant enough, he makes it more important. He says, but let me, let me show you how just how big this thing really is. And look at how he concludes that statement. He goes on verse 40, on these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Wow. What he's saying here, friends, is that there is no word. I wanted to read Matthew 22 with you because what Jesus is telling us is that there is no word that we read in scripture that isn't dependent upon love. Think about that. There's no word that we read in scripture that isn't dependent upon love. Some of your Bibles will actually use the phrase that hangs from love, hangs from these things like tethered to it, built upon it, like a baseline that everything stands on. I mean, this is a really big deal. When it comes to reading your Bible, love is a really big deal. When I was growing up, I don't know if I was actually taught this way or this is just part of how I grew up and how I interpret it, but I thought that what the Bible was supposed to be was this thing that I opened up and that I read it and it was gonna show me how to be obedient and how to not sin and how to live my life and how to trust Jesus. And that I was supposed to just try really hard to do all of those things. And when I struggled to do all those things, I could open my Bible and it would tell me what to do and I would do those things so that I could, I could be a better person, the person that God wants me to be. And that was the filter that I had in reading the scriptures. When I got older, and I remember reading Matthew 22 for the first time and finally wrapping my head and my heart around these words, it was the very first moment in my life that it suddenly occurred to me that the entire Bible that all of the scripture and all of those things isn't designed to just make me a better person. It's designed to help me love God and love others better. It's all hanging on this. And so that became massive. So when I started to read verses and when I started to look at different things and passages, I started to look at it through the lens of interpretation. Where I was saying, what is this teaching me about love? What does this mean when it comes to loving somebody else and loving God and accepting that God loves me and all the things that are a part of this? Love is a really big deal. There's another passage though. So that's the first one. Here's the second. John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You can follow along on the screen with us. Jesus is speaking. He's got his followers gathered around him and he's speaking to them. And he goes to tell them about a new commandment that he's going to give them. That is a huge deal that he would use this language, right? Commandments were something that were found in the Old Testament. Commandments were something that were found in the law. You didn't mess with that. You studied that, you learned it, and you interpreted that. For Jesus to say, a new commandment I give you is a crazy authoritative moment, right? Like for some people, this would have incited rage and frustration with him. Like he's messing with their Bibles somehow, but he he says, a new commandment I give you. Verse 34 says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
So think about it. Jesus is talking to his followers. They're gathered around him. He makes this really overt statement. I I have a new commandment that I want to give you. At that point, they'd all be leaning in like we would be because this matters for us. A new commandment I give to you. And he says, you know the way that I've loved you? And imagine being there in that moment, right? Imagine sitting there and all of a sudden, you've been following Jesus for a couple of years now. And all of those memories start to flood your head. It's all the things that Jesus said to you and it's all the things you thought he'd say that he didn't. It's all the things you saw Jesus do and that he did in your life and it's all the things you thought he'd do that he didn't and it all seems to just speak of love, right? And all of these moments flash through your head and all of this stuff goes there and Jesus calls all of that back into collection. He goes, you know, those moments, those things, the way that I loved you, that's what I want you to be for other people. The new commandment I give you That love, the way you experience me loving you, I want you to go love other people with that same kind of love. And then he takes it a step farther as if it wasn't profound enough to just say, here's this new commandment and to say it so clearly, he takes it one step farther, much like he did in Matthew 22. And he says, it's the way that you love that will most distinctly make others aware that you actually follow me. This is so important. He says, the way that you love other people is the quality. It's the defining characteristic that will make other people look at you and go, man, they must be followers of Jesus because of the way that we love. See, I wanted us to read John 13 this morning because it tells us that loving others is absolutely at the core of what it means to follow Jesus. It's as deep as it gets. This is a really, really big deal. According to Jesus, the first thing that should pop into people's heads when they think of a Christian is the way that person loves. But it doesn't always go that way, does it? In the early 2000s, I was living in Chicago. I was working in retail for Banana Republic. And I worked in a large Banana Republic off Michigan Avenue, super busy street, three-story, three-story retail building. And I worked on the men's floor. There were 90 employees in that store. And I was one of only three straight men. In the whole store, I was. I was one of the only three straight men. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, I just got hired there. And, and the other thing was, and this is something I didn't know at the time, everybody in the store pretty much knew that, that I was in Chicago and going there because I was going to school at a place called Moody Bible Institute because I wanted to be a Christian pastor. And so they knew this. And consequently, that made a lot of people hesitant and reluctant around me because they all thought I hated them. I didn't know this when I first got my job at Banana Republic at the store. And I just was trying to learn to sell clothes, something I'd never done before, right? And trying to figure this whole thing out. And I remember I was folding clothes in the men's department. We were, you know, everybody trashes the store every day. If you work retail, you know this and you probably hate this. Trashes the store every day and you have to fold the whole thing down at the end of the day. And so we're just folding down piles of sweaters. And there's this other guy, he's new. We've been working there about a month, folding sweaters next to me. And we start talking and he goes, so what, how long have you lived in Chicago? And I said, you know, I've only been here a few years because I, I'm going here, you know, I'm here for school and needed to work and my wife and I now live here. And he goes, oh, what school do you go to? And he says, and I said, I, I'm actually at Moody Bible Institute. And he stops folding sweaters. And he goes, looks at me and he goes, really? What do you want to do with that? And I said, well, I actually want to be a pastor of a church. And then he stops folding like everything all together. And he looks up at me and he turns his head like to the side, like a bird who got suddenly curious, but he looks contemplative, you know? And he just looks at me and is like, oh, huh. So 
there's probably some pretty big things that we disagree on then and we're probably not gonna become friends, right? That's what he responded. That caught me off guard. I didn't know what to do with that. I was standing there and so I suddenly just said, what? I stopped folding sweaters. My head turns to the side and I look at him and I go, why would you say that? What makes you say that? And then he starts to tell me some of his story. He grew up in rural New York in an area where he didn't actually know any Christians. He'd never had any encounters really with any kind of like formalized version of Christianity or anything like that. Didn't know anybody growing up. His first interactions with Christianity were in his late teens and early 20s uh, when he was actually attending funerals uh, for three friends over a span of time who had all died from AIDS in the, in the 80s. And his first experience with Christians where he goes, they were the people who showed up at the funerals of people that I was just brokenhearted over losing and they were shouting hate and all kinds of crazy things and they were really hard while the rest of us were crying and just trying to grieve in that moment. And he's like, that's my experience with Christians. That's, that's the only thing I, so, and he pauses and he goes, so obviously like there's probably some things we disagree on and we probably won't be very good friends. I thought I'd be defensive and go, well, no, what you need to know is, and I wasn't, I was just sad. I was, my heart was a little broke for him. He told me a story and I just said, man, I'm really sorry that you went through that. And then I just, I like didn't know what to say. Cause who, who do you, like who does in those moments? I didn't know what to do. I'm really sorry that you went through that. And then I said, in terms of disagreements, yeah, I mean, I totally disagree with those shoes that you're wearing. They're way too flashy for me, but your shirt's pretty fantastic. And I said, my name's Ryan and I'd like to be your friend. And he reached out his hand and he said, my name's Matt. And we became friends from that day forward for the remainder of the time that I worked there. Friends, I know that sometimes it's complicated to be a Christian. I know that sometimes following Jesus can be a confusing thing. Sometimes I wonder though, if we make it too complicated if you're ever in a place in your life where you're trying to figure out how do I follow Jesus and what do I do right now and what, is, what does this look like? You know where you can start? Just start by loving the person who's standing in front of you. It's, one of the, it's the distinctive defining characteristic of what it means to follow Jesus. Just start by loving the person who's in front of you and see where that takes you. Loving others is absolutely at the core of what it means to follow Jesus. Guys, love is a really, really big deal. It's huge. I want to show you another passage though. This one's not the words of Jesus. These are the words of Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to turn there, this is called the love chapter. Not because it calls itself that. We just call it that. It's right at weddings, all kinds of stuff. The whole chapter is just like all like verse after verse about love. I want to read to you verses one through three today. And I want you to see what Paul says. He says this, first one. If I speak in the tongues of men, all the languages, right? Of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I read this passage and I want to argue with Paul. I want to stop Paul and say, Paul, you're being a little bit dramatic here. I get what you're trying to say, but I also think you're being ridiculous. Because think about what he just said. 
I mean, really, for like just a second, pause. Think about the words we just read. This is what Paul's speaking to. He literally tells us, look, if you could speak in every language known to man, not just the ones currently, if you could even speak in dead languages and any language that's ever existed, that's ever been on this planet. Not only that, if you could speak in heavenly languages, I don't even know how this works, but the tongues of angels. And they understood you and you could do this thing. If you had that and you don't have love, it's not rooted in and grounded in loving God and loving other people. You're a noisy gong. You're a clanging cymbal. It doesn't matter. It's another way of putting that. It's racket. Okay, he goes further. And this is where I start to really go, are you serious here, Paul? He says, if you had all prophetic powers, if you knew when you read scripture exactly what God was meaning, and if you knew what he was intending for the future, and you knew what his plans and purposes were for yourself, other people, and all the things, if there were no mysteries on this planet to you, if theoretics for you, if theoretical physics for you wasn't theoretical, it was just physics, because you knew how it all worked, you knew what it all was, if there were no mysteries, no piece of knowledge, if there was no moment in scripture that you did not understand, that you had not memorized, read, and, 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 and like taken in, and, and now that's in your head, if you, didn't, if you knew all of those things, but it's not rooted in love, it's not about loving God and loving other people, he goes, I am nothing, meaning it doesn't matter. I mean, it's good, sure, but it doesn't matter. And then he goes even further and he says, and if you have faith, now he's talking about faith. If you have faith that could move mountains, if you could walk out this building, stare at the Catalinas and say, I need you to take a break and go away. And somehow, some shape or form, they just did. I don't know what that would be, but if that could happen. He says, if you could do that and you had that kind of faith, but it's not rooted in love, it doesn't matter. And this is where I want to argue with him, where I'd say, oh, I think it matters though, Paul. Because <laughs> if I could walk outside and say, Catalinas, go away, and they did, I think it matters, right? If I knew every language and all the, all the tongues of angels and men and all the things, I think it matters. I think all of that's a really big deal. If I understood all mysteries and all that stuff, I think that is a huge deal. And I think if I were standing here arguing with Paul about this particular passage, I wonder if he'd look at me and go, sure, Ryan, it's a huge deal. It's just nothing compared to love. because it's massive. It's important, friends. He says, if I give away everything I own and become a martyr of the faith like Jesus was, but don't have love, then what does it matter? I wanted to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because I wanted you to see that love is what makes your faith and what you do with it actually matter. It's, this is huge. Love is what makes your faith and what you, actually, what you do with it actually matter matter. I remember being at a time in my life where I didn't like who I was and I didn't think God liked me very much either. And I just thought I need to fix some things and change some things. And so I, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm going to recommit my life to Christ. I'm going to do this, right? I'm the kind of person that if it's like, Hey, I'm going to start working out. It's like for five hours tomorrow, like that kind of a thing, right? I'm not the like, I'll do a little bit here and a little bit there. So I'm like, all right, I'm doing this, I'm going all in and I'm gonna read through my whole Bible and I'm gonna study this and it's gonna be like a Bible study every day of the week because I just want all Jesus all the time. I wanna know what it looks like to be right and good with God. That's how I was. And I was like, so, so this is what I'm doing. And I started to read and I, said, and I just couldn't escape the fact Jesus gave his life to serving other people and he did all these good things on others' behalf. And I said, I need to get out of my own way. I need to stop worrying so much about myself and I just need to do good things for other people so that I can finally be a person 
that God loves, that feels good about my life where things are going good. That's what I did. And I'm recommitting, I'm doing this thing. And so I remember at that point in time, I was working in construction. Uh, and I, every day when I drive to work here in Tucson, I'd look out my window and I'd drive by this park and there was just all these homeless people sleeping in the park. And it was really cold out during that time of year. And I thought, they must be really cold. It'd be really hard to sleep outside. Wait, I have a lot of really warm clothes and things. I bet you I could give them. So I went home and I started ransacking my closet and I got all these really warm clothes. And I remember thinking, these are really nice clothes. Like they'll actually like this. This is like an upgrade. You know what I mean? This is gonna be like a really good thing. And, and I started to put all of these clothes in 50 gallon Costco trash bags. Like just, and I filled up one Costco trash bag and I called a friend, I was like, hey, I'm doing this. And he's like, take my clothes too. And I said, let's do it. And so I filled up another trash bag and I had two 50 gallon trash bags and it wasn't just warm clothes. I even remember thinking, you know, they might need to do a job interview and might need something nice, throw in these dress pants. Here's a dress shirt, like something. Like I wanna make sure they have what they need. And then I grabbed the bags and I threw them in a car and I drove down to the park and I go walking through the park with two 50 gallon trash bags filled with clothes. And, I, and there's all kinds of people everywhere, but I found a group of 20 and I walked up to them and I'm nervous because I don't do this all the time. I don't know what I'm doing. It's just a lot of zeal and like, I want to be a good person. I don't want to bless these people. I want to do this. And so I walk up and I put the bags down and I don't know what to do. So I just say, hey, excuse me. I was cleaning out my closet and I have this stuff, like these clothes and things. And I thought maybe you guys might want some of them. And so if you want some of them, they're right here. What do you think? And a couple of people turn their heads and then just look her away like I don't exist and nobody else moves. And I'm a little obtuse in that moment. I do the thing that so many of us do when we encounter a problem that we can't solve. We just yell louder, right? That's what I think the big issue is. I don't think I was loud enough. They must not have heard me. So I yell louder, hey, excuse me. I have these clothes. I, like, I, I thought maybe you guys could use them. There's even stuff for like, if you need got a job interview, like I've got this stuff, uh, be great. And, and a couple of people, like three or four people at that point turn and look at me. And now I can see the eye rolls happen before they turn their heads. And finally, one guy stands up and he goes, hey man, get out of here. We don't want your trash. And then sits back down. And that's the end of their interaction with me. And that was such a powerful moment for me in my life. Because I did what it said. And I, I tried to serve people. And I tried to follow scripture and I, I wanna care for the orphan and the widow. I, I, I wanna do things for people. Like I, I'm trying, isn't this what it means? And it's cause I'm trying to please God and I wanna do all this stuff. And you know what I learned in that moment, friends? I wanted to be a good person by giving away things I didn't need or want anymore. And the truth of it was, to people I assumed needed it. And the truth of it was, is these people needed and desired my love and my expression of their human dignity far more than they ever wanted my clothes. Without love, the truth of the matter is, is I'm holding two bags of trash. That's the honesty of it. I learned that in a powerful way. I wish I could tell you that that moment all happened instantaneously. It didn't. I made my way through the whole park. And I got in my car all just saddened and what happened and God, I thought this was supposed to be a good thing and all this stuff and just realized they weren't missing it, I, I was. See, if it's not grounded in and rooted in loving God and loving other people, you might as well be holding trash. 
don't get me wrong, I get good intentions and I get the desire to do good things and it doesn't make you a bad person. It's just love matters that much. It's really, really important. You could give away thousands of dollars to, a gen- to like some important organization. You could donate all the things that you have to something. You could speak and teach eloquently, devote your life to studying scriptures and all of those things. But friends, I promise you, if you aren't holding love, if it's not rooted and grounded in love for God and love for others, there's a piece of it where it just doesn't matter that much. Love is what makes your faith and the things you do with it actually matter. It's what gives potency to it because each of us as human beings are thirsty for the unconditional love of God. And it is the thing that so impacts us that it moves us in our core. Love is a really big deal. I wanna read you one more passage here. I do. It's in 1 John chapter four. We're gonna start at verse seven. John's writing and he says, beloved. This is him addressing you, me, the church, believers. He says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. When I read this the first time, I was 18 years old. This messed me up. I was probably, probably obvious to you at this point, at a stage of my life where I was a little more legalistic in how I approached God and read through the Bible and all these things. When I read this the first time, I thought that John had written a checklist and I was now supposed to go review my life and look at all the different moments. And if it didn't have love in it, it was an indication that I was just not a Christian and not a good person. This messed me up. And I went back years later. It wasn't until years later, I was just studying this and starting to learn about what John's really doing here that I started to realize John's battling uh, a bunch of people here and not like fighting, but Gnosticism was this big, big invasive type of belief that was taking some of the beliefs that Christianity had and twisting them into something else where people were letting go of the love of God, letting go of the love of Christ in this way. And the cross and all those things weren't mattering as much. And it had to be about this special knowledge. That's all I'll say about going further into this. And what John is calling people back to is not like, so go through the checklist to make sure you're a Christian. He's trying to encourage and comfort people saying the thing that was good is good. The thing that mattered to you, that you know, that love that you have, that you've experienced, that thing that you rest in, it's everything. Return, like keep with the cross, keep with the resurrection, keep with the love of Christ, keep pouring this out and embracing this for your lives is what he's pointing to. Friends, anytime you are experiencing unconditional love, anytime you're experiencing unconditional love in your life, you're having an experience from God. Do you realize this? John tells us this. The word he uses there is agape. Agape is the kind of love that God gives. It's unconditional love. What's he say? It doesn't come from us. Where does it come from? Love is from God. Any time in your life that you're experiencing the experience of unconditional love in your life, it's a moment that's speaking of God, of his heart, of who he is. To know it, to experience it, is to know God himself in some way, shape, or form. And it's really, really powerful because God is love. It's a big deal. This was a huge statement for John to make. Do you realize this? There's all kinds of moments in the Bible where there's things attributed to God. God is patient. He's really kind. Like he, you know, he does these different things. There's all of these adjectives that get attributed to the character of God. This is the only time that we see something like this attributed to his essence to be a part of who he actually is in his core. God is love. 
That makes love as big as it could possibly be. That is why when you look back at Matthew 22, you come to see no word in scripture exists that isn't dependent upon love. That's why when you look at John 13, you come to realize loving others is absolutely at the core of what it means to follow Jesus. That's why when you look at 1 Corinthians, you come to understand that expressing love for God and for other people is what makes what we do with our faith actually matter. Love is like the baseline that everything else assumes and is built on. It is as deep and wide and broad as it gets, friends. It's huge. And it's why for us as a church this year, our theme is love like you're loved. It's a call to do the thing that's as important as it could ever possibly be. To step into the depths of the thing that knows no bounds and to give it away and receive it yourselves. Because when it comes to this life, and I don't just mean this life in general, I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about your life, our lives, our actual personal lives. Love is a really big deal. Do you see it? You see how big it is? You see how significant that that piece is for our actual lives, for who we are, for you, for me, for each of us here? It's huge. So if you're joining us today, whether in person or online, and you find yourself saying, I am experiencing the love of God and I do feel like that's filling me up and pouring out of me into the lives of other people, then my hope and prayer is that every passage we've gone through and everything we've talked about is like celebrating the thing that you hold most dear and encouraging you to keep on keeping on. I do. If that's you, I love it. Like keep on doing that. Keep on carrying that heart. But if it's not you, if for you the idea of love has actually become stale or muted somehow, or it feels lesser than, and like there's a whole bunch of things in this life and this world that are so much more important, and you're not even sure what it means to hope in those passages, I hope that as we walk through this, your head and your heart open back up to see just how big it really is. And that you'd find yourself seeking to learn it again, seeking to step into it anew, seeking to abide in the love of Christ in ways that maybe you haven't. If you're a person who's in here and love feels like the shallow end of the theological pool, my hope and my prayer in talking about this this morning is that you'd come to see that, sure, we could fit all of our theology and systematic theologies into a swimming pool, but when we start talking about the love of God and what that then means to love others in it, it would swallow the very oceans themselves. It knows no depths. It has no bounds. And my prayer for you is that you would open yourself back up to dive fully into that. And friends, if you feel like, but I just don't see that right now and I don't know, I think I'm asking you to trust it. To just trust that with your lives and to make choices out of that, whether today or tomorrow or whenever. And if you mess that up, it's okay, keep going. Love is absolutely worth it. It is a big deal. It's huge. And if you're the person who's here today and you find yourself saying, I I want that love in my life, I just... I don't feel like I've experienced it or I don't know how to experience it and I keep searching. Maybe you're the person who's been a part of every religion you can think of at this moment or you've read every self-help book or you've tried every path or you've tried doing all of these different things. You may have even tried iterations of Christianity where like me in some of my earlier stories, it's like, okay, I'm trying this and I'm trying to obey the Bible and I'm trying to follow this and I joined a Bible study and I just, I'm not experiencing this thing. It's okay, you're in good company. My hope and prayer for you is that maybe for the remainder of this service, I might be able to point to a way forward here. If you would, if you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John 4, back to the place we just left. 
First John 4, 19, very short verse, but man, is it profound. It says this, we love because he first loved us. This, by the way, is why that first part of our theme is that way this year. Love like you're loved, right? We love because he first loved us. Friends, this is the way forward. This is speaking about the kind of love that will fill our hearts and our spirits when we experience this unconditional love of God. Same author, same book, one chapter before in verse 16 says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us. If you don't know that love, the place you go to and you start is with Christ and with what he's done. And this is true whether you know that now for the first time or you have forgotten this along the way, you return to what it is to know that love. For all of us here, friends. Friends, religions throughout history, and this is true, where religions throughout history have been seeking to try to figure out how do I build a system and how do I engage in behaviors and understanding that will ultimately make God or the gods happy with me so that I can feel secure about my life and so that I can know that I'm okay with God and not fear the future. Religions throughout history have been about how do I build the ladder so high that I can climb it so that I can feel like I'm okay with God. And what makes Christianity distinctive, what makes it so unique and special in this moment is that it's not about us trying to climb a ladder. Christianity becomes this profound declaration of love, of a God who loves you so much that he would make his way to you. Of a God who loves you so much that he would declare it at full volume so that you would come to know it. And we see this most profoundly in Jesus Christ. We love because he first loved us. And this is how we know what real love is. When we look at the birth and the life of Jesus Christ, what we see is a God who says, I love you so much that I want you to know that I don't wanna be far from you. I want you to know that I'm as close to you as I could possibly be. I don't want you to feel misunderstood and I don't want you to feel misguided. I wanna walk in your shoes. I wanna feel the dust upon my feet and I wanna love you amidst your burdens and struggles by carrying them in my own life on myself in the same type of way. It is a profound expression of the love of God making its way to you without you moving an inch. And then we get to the crucifixion. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is a moment where it's like God picked up the loudspeaker with full volume and said, I don't know if people can hear me. And so I'm just gonna make this as loud and as clear as I possibly can. There's absolutely nothing that God would not go through that God would not do to see you loved. There's absolutely nothing that God wouldn't do to declare and have it meet your ears, but not just your ears that it might encounter your head, but the openness of your heart that you might know in your depths that he loves you through and through, and that nothing would stand between him so much so that he values you so much that you're worth the life of his son. Jesus dies upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And then the resurrection, friends, it's that moment where you find yourself going, but there's these things in my life that God, that I have to overcome. There's this stuff I have to get past. There's these things I need to work through. There's all this stuff that I need to do. Otherwise, I just don't think God's gonna be real cool with me right now. What the resurrection declares is that there is nothing that can hold him back from ultimately overcoming these things for death has been conquered and sin has been slain and Jesus stands there now open-armed for me and for you saying, I wanna love you. And there's nothing in your life or in your past or in you that has to stand between us. He wants to love you at full volume, friends. That's there. That's been there this whole time. It's why we say, you've got to accept Christ into your heart. We're not actually saying you've got to do something extraordinary. You've got to work harder. You've got to be better. You've got to do all these things. What we're saying is that love is there. Open yourself up to it in the most vulnerable places and allow yourself to just receive it. Let God love you.
in the most profound of ways. You know, if any of you have ever trained to be a lifeguard, then you know that when you're trying to save somebody's life and they're going to train you to do this, they don't just train you to save someone's life. They train you how not to be drowned along the way. I didn't understand that. That seemed weird to me. And then I've seen it happen twice now where somebody has been rescued by an actual lifeguard. What happens is when somebody is drowning in an ocean, they start to freak out and panic because this becomes a life or death struggle. And so they start paddling and kicking and treading and fighting against the current and thrashing about, oftentimes almost like in a hysterical type of sense, because their one desire is just to survive and to overcome this moment. And as the person who's trained and ready to rescue them swims out to them, they're going to claw them all over the place and potentially drown them along the way. And so what I've watched happen is I've watched a lifeguard swim out to a person drowning in the ocean and you can hear the lifeguard screaming, you've got to stop kicking and you've got to stop thrashing. I'm here to save you. And I watched this happen and the person didn't hear. It's like it fell on deaf ears and they kept thrashing and they kept kicking and they kept trying to fight their way forward out of this. The lifeguard yells louder, you've got to stop and let me save you. And the person kept doing the same things. And finally, it's like the lifeguard was screaming at the top of their lungs and they finally yelled so loud and got so intense that it's like it snapped the person out of that moment. And you just watch as suddenly the person recognized there's somebody here who can do this thing and they go limp and the lifeguard for the first time wraps their arms around the person and then swims them back to shore. And I thought of that this week as I was thinking about this message and I thought, isn't that us? When it comes to this idea of love being really big, part of the reason why we have such a hard time with it is because we're the one in the ocean thrashing around trying to do this ourselves. Sometimes we're the person that's out there going like, no, I'm gonna be loved because I'm gonna make my life better so that I become a more lovable human. And so I've gotta do these things and get this way and do this stuff and then the person can bring me in. Sometimes we find ourselves in our life going, I'm the person that's got to overcome this or I've tried too many times or I grew up in a way where it's all on me and so I have to swim my way back into shore or it's not real. And I, the truth is, friends, for you, whatever you've been through, wherever you're at in your life, whatever you think it is that keeps you from being able to embrace the love of God, it's like God's right there saying, will you stop for just a moment and let me love you? And we don't hear that. So he sends Jesus as if to be the loudest decibel of any lifeguard ever to say, will you stop panicking and let me love you? And the profound act of what it is to become a Christian is the moment in your life that you stop kicking and thrashing and you go, I think for the first time, I just am gonna open up the vulnerable part of myself that is my heart and let Christ love me right here. And when you do that, this beautiful thing happens. You feel what it is to know unconditional love that has existed from the beginning of time to the end of time. You'll struggle with it at moments and places, but it's there, it doesn't go away. There's nothing that can separate you. This wasn't about you. This is about what God wants to do in you and through you and how he loves you. And as you go to live, what you'll find is that that love begins to overflow into the lives of people around you. It changes things in a powerful kind of way. Friends, this morning, will you pause? And in the most profound of ways, will you open yourself up to let God love you? What you'll come to see is that love is as big as it gets. And when you have it, for all of us, the choice is to abide in it, to swim in it, to let it take us places in our lives. You'll drift from time to time, but there's always a way back. 
Can I take a moment and pray with us this morning? And if you're a person in here who's never taken that step before, I'd love to say a prayer that you can pray with me, not because it's a magical prayer or anything else. It's just a step that we can take of saying, I want to open myself up to experience that love. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for the way you love us. I don't always understand it. Sometimes I struggle with it. But Lord, right now, I'm opening up my heart to be loved by you. Lord, I'm accepting your unconditional love through your son, Jesus. I thank you that there's no length you wouldn't go to save me, to love me in the cross and in the resurrection. And Lord, help me have the courage and the perseverance and the patience to abide in that love as I continue forward in my life. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you took that step or you prayed, whether you're in person or online, can I just challenge you? Will you tell somebody here this morning? I mean that. So we can celebrate with you. So we can be excited with you. So we can just show you how loved you really are. Also, if you want somebody to pray with you or pray for you, the amazing people in the prayer room here would love to do that. You can reach out online and I'm sure somebody would be happy to pray with you there. There's all kinds of ways and care and places here. But friends, can I just leave you with this? You are absolutely and utterly loved by God. And that love wants to make its way through you, pour out of you into the most profound way in your lives. That love is a really big deal. We'll see you soon.